0: My name is Benjamin Pace, and you're listening to the No Content Podcast. And if you happen to be a duck listening to this, you're in a safe space. if you can hear the fan in the back, because if you can't, I'm, I'm going to be leaving that guy on throughout the, the duration of this podcast. So that's, that's what this is. This is a test to see whether or not I can, uh, I can preach this without, without getting pers- perspiration e Perspi- perspire perspiry. It's not a word. I don't believe prespiratory. No, that's not it. Hey there! Welcome to the No Content podcast. My name is Benjamin Pace, and in case you're wondering, I, I did opt to leave the fan on at a very low volume. Um, so praise the Lord! Praise the Lord for for technology. So uh, anyway, today I want to uh, I want to get into something pretty special in my estimation, and um, I, I want to talk a little bit about eternal security. And uh, before we get into that, um. You know normally, I do about twenty one episodes per season. And I, I went ahead and just felt impressed to go ahead and move forward onto season seven of the No Content podcast, even though the last episode, I believe, was episode eighteen. So um, I, I didn't carry it all the way out to the twenty one that I normally do. And honestly, it just was some things that are happening in my life. And what the Lord's been doing in my life, it just, it feels like a new season and it felt like a good time to start a new season on the podcast as well. And so we are entering into season seven of the No Content Podcast. Uh, and this this will be the first episode of season seven. And, and I really feel like uh, some significant things have happened uh, um, at the time of releasing this. Um, I, I had the honor and privilege of being ordained and... Um, set in as the associate pastor of my church, Tanny Love Church, underneath uh, Micah and Becky Herbert in Hollister, Missouri, and it's just a super big blessing to to be a part of that and, and an honor to do that, and um, I'm, I'm really excited about the new season, and I thought, you know, it's just a good time to start a new season on the podcast as well. And uh, so the reason I do seasons is uh, because, first of all, I think it's easier— to keep track of things. For me, it's easier than, um, you know, if I'm watching a TV show, just practically speaking, um, saying episode 382 (laughs) is harder than saying season six, episode four, you know? Um, And so it's easier to keep track of if people want to find a particular episode or go back in the archives, it's a little bit easier to keep track of. And to remember, just when I compartmentalize like that, um, it helps. And also, because I think the term season is appropriate, because I, I do think that from what I've experienced from the first time I started this, there have been different seasons of this podcast and what we've talked about, and, and even just growing in light. Um, and so that's been really awesome, and I just, you know, I like the, the biblical outline of seasons and how how they have significance. So anyway, um, this will be the first episode of season seven, and I'm really excited about it, that we've done seven seasons of, uh, of the No Content podcast. And, um, you know, I'm just uh, I'm praying that it's, it's continuing to be a blessing to the people that are, are listening to it and clicking play and um, that it's something that, you know, is not just food for thought, but food for spirit, and, and that it's building people up and edifying people. And if I've touched on some controversial things, you know, uh, my heart is not to just, you know, just try to get clicks, you know, by being controversial. You know, I, I think that it's important to be led by the spirit and to know, Lord, if I'm going to challenge this, I want to do it in love and I want to do it in a way that's going to edify people. And so, you know, uh, but then again, you know, what I've been doing in the Verity Vitamins segment is is mind renewal. And it's, you know, if you're going to renew your mind means you got to tear some old stuff out and, and let the word of God replace it. And so, it, you know, that can be an uncomfortable process of renewing the mind. It can be a humbling process, um, but it's what Romans 12 tells us to do. And so that's my heart in that. Anyway, today I want to get into one of those controversial subjects and something that um, there's a lot of different strong opinion about. Um, and I've, I've heard some very good messages on it. You know, i my, my, my spiritual father, Brother Keith Morris, preached on it. Um, brother Creflo Dollar had some really good content on it. Uh, my friend Elijah Merle did a podcast about it, uh, I think a couple of years ago, and all really good content. And so my heart is uh, just to add to what other people have already, you know, uh, the light that they've seen on it and, and in the Word. And, and I believe the Lord has given me some things specifically concerning this subject. Um, but, but, you know, you need to sit on things until the Lord— Tells you it's time because you want to grow in light, and uh, you don't want to just get half a um, a piece of something and then go ahead and just preach it <laughs> before you say like, Lord, the Lord's like, whoa, 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 we got, I needed, we need three more parts to this before you, you know, and, and and you preach what you know, you walk in the light that you have, but you just be led is, is you be led about when to release things, and um, so that's what I've been endeavoring to do, and and that's the first verse I want to start with today in this. Um, you know, touches on that. And it, it is this First um, Timothy, uh, I'm sorry, Second Timothy, actually, 2 verse 15. And it says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And he said, study to show yourself approved, you know, and it's good to study to make sure that what you're ministering is the right thing. And uh, you know you don't have to know everything. I love what Brother Kenneth Copeland says. You know, someone once came up to him and said, "You're not preaching the whole counsel of God," and he he said, "Dear brother, I I don't know the whole counsel of God." (laughs) You know, so you walk in the light that you have. But I I want to take the things that the Lord has given me and make sure I I, uh, give diligence to to know that that what I'm preaching is at least established by two or three witnesses in the Word. And so I'm going to present my part today and. And uh, you you judge it, you know, by the word and and the light that you have, but um, more than anything, hear the heart of it um, and and, and the spirit behind it. And I believe that that all of us will get something good out of it when we approach it that way. So he said, rightly dividing the word of truth, that's a very important verse because we have to do that in order to understand this subject. You have to rightly divide the word of truth because if you take one scripture over here by itself and just camp on that and isolate it, you can easily come to a conclusion about this subject. But in order to understand what the scripture is teaching about this subject and what the truth is about it, you have to rightly divide that truth. You have to rightly divide the word of truth. In the Amplified Bible, it says, study and be eager to do your utmost to present yourself to God-approved tested by trial, a workman who has no cause to be ashamed, correctly analyzing and accurately dividing, rightly handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. Now that this verse is actually very significant to some other things that we're going to touch on, but rightly handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. This will will come into play. And you know, it's good to study. You know, you don't want to rely on your studying. You don't want to Rely on your ability or your talent in the area of, of something, but it's a good it's a good thing to study. You know, you don't want to not study and just say, "Well, I'm just relying on the Holy Spirit." Well, you need to do both. He said study, so if, if he said study, we should study. Amen. Well, that's all I'll say about that. But anyway, um, the title of the message today is um, "Fire Insurance." <laughs> fire Insurance, and I want to talk to you about. Are, uh, are we always saved after we get saved? Can you lose your salvation? Are we eternally secure in him? And like I said, other people have ministered on this topic and, and had some really good things, but I want to, I want to give out what the Lord has, has given me in this area. Um, so, so the first thing I want to establish is this, how do you rightly divide the word of truth? How do you rightly divide the word of truth? Well, first of all, you study (laughs) that's what he just said so you have to study the word to rightly divide the word which means you don't just take a scripture out of context and just slice it and dice it and you have to study to rightly divide the word and so what do you study the word so in order to rightly divide the scripture you need other scriptures other context and even the bigger picture So three things I I would say that we use to rightly divide the word of truth is other scriptures, context, and considering the bigger picture that the Bible is painting as a whole. This is why a lot of people think the the Bible has contradictions is because they're not considering the bigger picture of what it's saying. They're isolating one thing, and the truth is it's not. It's just a different perspective of the same thing. That's a whole other thing. But we are to rightly divide. The word of truth, Amen. Um, I didn't do this in the beginning, and I am going to go ahead and do this because I want this to go right. I am going to pray, <laughs> and I am going to, I am going to pray, and we're going to get started here into this subject. Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your heart. I thank you for your heart for your people and for humanity, Lord Jesus. I thank you that it is not your will that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge. Of the truth and Father, I just pray today that in this subject, you would help me to minister your heart for people and your mercy, Lord, and, and the fact that you delight in mercy. And I pray that that would be the overarching theme of this podcast today. And I ask that what is said would give grace to the listeners and build them up and encourage them in in the words of faith in the truth, Father. I thank you for your anointing and your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. This is going to be good. Um, So let us start out in Hebrews chapter 5. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 5, and this is where we're going to start today. It it says in in chapter 5 of Hebrews, in verse 12, For though by this time, somebody say by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you. I'm going to say that again. By this time, you ought to be teachers. And yet you need someone to teach you. You know, I, uh, my family has some cats and, and they've had kittens and those kittens have grown up and they're bigger. But you know. A lot of times those bigger cats still want to nurse, even though they're bigger cats. And, you know, kittens are supposed to nurse, but when a cat gets older, it's supposed to be able to eat some more solid food. And uh, I, my, my stepdad made a comment when I was over there and he said, those cats are too old to be nursing, <laughs> but they're still, they're still needing milk, even though by this time they ought to be eating some more solid food. And that's kind of a picture of what he's saying. He said, you need someone to teach you. Now, he didn't say, uh, you you need to stop having someone teach you. That's not what he said. He didn't say, uh, you're too old for milk. You need to stop that. Stop drinking milk. That's not what he said. He said, by now you should have grown, and yet you have not. And you still need milk. He didn't say, stop drinking milk. He said, no, you still need milk. You still need it. He said, someone to teach you the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Now, what did we start out this podcast with? Skillfully dividing the word of righteousness. So, this is talking about somebody who doesn't know how to do that. And he said, you're unskilled in the word of righteousness for he is a baby. Somebody say he is a baby. So we are talking about babies. Now he said on the outside, it seems like you, you should have been past this. In other words, you've been in the church for a while. You've been, you've been saved for a while and you would think that you weren't a baby anymore and yet you are still a baby. Now, he said he's talking to babies right here. And so, this is the context of where we're going here. This is why I'm pointing this out to you. It's the context. He said, But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. He said, You have exercised and matured your senses to know what's good and know what's evil. So he is he is separating between babies and mature ones. That's the context of what he's talking about. Now that's very important because of what the next passage, passage says that we're going to read. Because this is not written in sections. This is not written in chapters. This is one letter to to the church. And the very next thing he talks about is in Hebrews 6. Now, before I move on to that, you know, let me say, say this, um, you know, I have an uncle who is mentally handicapped. Um, the, the medical term for what he has is mental retardation. Now that, that word has been used in so so many ugly ways that it's, you almost don't want to use it, but that's the medical terminology and he is somewhere in his sixties, but mentally he's seven years old is what the doctors have, have told us. And so he's been in our life, you know, for a long time. And, you know, my uncle Steve, um, you know, he he's from the outside, has the body of a 60-year-old man, and yet his mind is a child. So let me ask you this right in the beginning. Does that affect his accountability? It does. Can he be charged as an adult if he s- steals something? No, because in his mind, he's a child, even though he's got the body of a 60-year-old. Well, the same is true spiritually. You can be in a 60-year-old body and be a spiritual baby. And is the accountability that somebody has the same if they're a spiritual baby as they are if they're a mature one? It's not. And we'll read why that is here in in the next section. And uh, I like something that my spiritual father, Brother Keith Moore, uh, said recently, that babies spiritually need help. Mature ones are help. They're in a place where they can help. It's It's like teenage kids taking care of the little kids. But he goes on to say this in Hebrews 6, verse 1, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ now (laughs) you've heard this before but if you hear the word therefore you need to find out what it's there for because it's separating something it's dividing something or it's not separating it it's it's qualifying something it's saying okay because of this therefore we're going to do this we're going to talk about this so because of this whole situation with babies he said we're gonna leave that discussion and we're gonna go on to perfection in other words, we're, we're switching gears here. We're going from talking about and to baby Christians, and now we're talking to mature Christians. That's the context of what this is saying. Now, this is very important to lay this foundation because of what he says next. He is switching gears and he is no longer talking to baby Christians. Watch this. He he goes on to say, "...not laying again the doctrines of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection from the dead, of eternal judgment, and this we will do if God permits, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance." since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put Him to an open shame. Now, this is the first point I want to make to you. You cannot lose your salvation, but mature ones can choose to walk away. Now, some people may agree, disagree with that, but that's what he's talking about here. Now, some people might say, no, he's just talking about believers in general there. No, he's not, because then he would have just said believers. There's a reason why he's qualifying all these things. These are characteristics of a mature one. What this is, this is a threshold. That, that it's just like accountability in the natural. When you get to a certain age, you're more accountable to the government. It's a, there's a threshold. That you're a certain age, you're not as accountable, but you get to this age, now we can, we can try you as an adult because you are at an age of accountability well the same is true spiritually that's what paul's talking about and that's who he's talking about why why is that because if you got into the place where you've experienced all these things and then you reject christ i mean what else is there to say like what what else is there to say i mean there's nothing else to convince you of god with i mean that that's if you've experienced all these things if you've partaken of the holy spirit If you've been a part of of the precious things of the Spirit and and you still walk away, I mean, what what else is there to convince you that God is the right choice? Now, we'll talk about this in just a little bit, but he's not talking about people just sinning or yielding to the flesh. This is a choice that somebody makes. Falling away, walking away, turning away. We'll see this in other passages. It's a choice, and there's some spiritual maturity and accountability that comes with getting to this place. Now, I'm, I'm endeavoring to just be led here and, and for the Lord to show me exactly how to get out everything that I have in my heart today, but I want to start out with saying this, and when it comes to the topic of eternal security, um, I do believe that a person can walk away and renounce their faith and walk away from Jesus after they were born again. Now, I've heard this said that, well, if they if they walked away, they were never saved. They were never saved. Or if they're continuing in a life of sin, they were never saved. Neither one of those things are true. Because every place in the Bible that it talks about people walking away, it implies that they knew, and they were a part of it, and then they walked away. There's no—I mean, in 1 John, it talks about people who left and then— Uh, it says they weren't of us. They went out from among us because they weren't of us. And that's true, too. There are people in the church that never got born again. But that's not what we're talking about. These are people that he's describing here who not only were born again, but they've tasted of the heavenly gift and they've been partakers of the Holy Spirit. So not only is he not saying that they were never saved, he's implying that not only were they saved, but they're mature. They they were around some things, they experienced some things, and they're without excuse. And not only is he saying that, he's saying that's what it takes for you to be at a place of accountability to reject your salvation. Why? Because when a child gets mad at his parents and says, I don't want you as my parent, I don't want your name anymore, I'm going to change my name, legally, they can't change their name. Why? Because they're not at a place of accountability to be able to do that. And the chances are they'll get over it in about two to three days at the most. In some cases, maybe not, but they're not at a place of accountability. So that doesn't count. The government is not required to honor that desire or that demand because they're not at that place of accountability. They don't know what they're doing yet. They're ruled by emotion. And they had a bad day or they're mad because they couldn't see their 15 year old boyfriend or something like that. Like, it's not they're not in that place of accountability. But there comes a place in a time where they're legally of age and they can do that. But even in doing that, to change your name and to disown somebody as a parent takes the utmost intentionality. You don't do it accidentally. This is what I'm saying here. You You can't lose your salvation like, oh, I just had it. Like, it's not like how Gollum lost the ring. You know what I'm saying? And that's somehow people kind of present it in that way, like losing your salvation. Like, oh, I just had it. Where did it go? No, it doesn't work like that. If you want your salvation, you, you haven't lost it. The very fact that you would be concerned about losing your salvation shows that you want it. <laughs> so therefore, it's not gone. You can't lose it. You can't misplace it. God's not going to take it away from you. The only people that can do this are people who reject it, do not want it. And God has mercy on babies who don't know what they're doing. He has mercy on babies. So the next place I want to go to talk more about this, we'll go ahead and uh, address something that Jesus said right in the beginning here. And uh, Matthew 10, 32, this is what a lot of people would bring up. He said, uh, therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I also will confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him also I will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Now, again, we have to rightly divide the word with other word. So people say, well, there you go. If somebody denies him, he'll deny him. Okay, but you have to also take into account how salvation happens and what happens when a person gets saved. And if what, the way some people preach this, I can confess Jesus in the morning and deny him at night, and he's just going to play the yo-yo game with me. And I confess him, and Jesus says, okay, I, I confess you. I deny him. It, it's not, he loves me, he loves me not. God is not fickle. He, there's no shadow of turning with God. He doesn't just do, undo, do, undo, do, undo. God is very intentional about what he does. And when God writes somebody's name in the Lamb's Book of Life, it's a big deal. And we'll get to this in just a second, but that is not easily undone. And God wouldn't blot somebody's name out of the Lamb's Book of Life unless he had no other choice. Unless he had to. Unless they're at a place of accountability and maturity that he has to respect their free will about the matter. Now, He always respects our free will, but He has mercy on babies. What did Jesus say on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I know some people will say right there, No, Ben, if, you, if somebody denies Him, that's it. They're, they're not saved. Well, if that's true, Peter would have lost his salvation. Now, some people teach it like Peter did lose his salvation when he denied Jesus three times. That's not true. Because here's the thing, according to Hebrews, if somebody falls away, they can't be renewed. When it comes to salvation, now you can fall away from your walk with God. You can fall away from your relationship with God and, and be out away from him and need to come home and need to come back to repentance. Absolutely. But this, what we're talking about here, this, rejecting your faith, having your name blotted out of the lamb's book of life, going to hell, being coming a partaker of the devil's inheritance again. This is not a light thing. And people say, "Well, well Peter denied Jesus 3 times." But what did Jesus tell Peter? See, Peter said, "I'll be with you. I'll go with you." Peter's immature. If you it, it, Peter's the way Peter's talking is revealing his immaturity. He said, oh, I'll do anything for you, Jesus. I'll go anywhere. And Jesus said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. But what did he say right after that? After you are what? Restored. Then convert the brethren, minister to the brethren, strengthen the brethren. We see right there that Jesus did not blot Peter's name out of the Lamb's Book of Life for, th- for a few days because he denied him. Because that's not lightly done. Now, I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm just endeavoring to minister this as the Lord's given it to me. That's not lightly done. He, and, and we know Peter's name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life because he told them, don't rejoice that you have authority over the devil. Rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So why would Peter not have qualified, even though he denied Jesus? Because he was not yet a partaker of the Holy Spirit. That didn't happen until Acts chapter 2. And he had not yet tasted of all the gifts of the spirit and the, the, powers of the world to come. That happened later. So Peter, even though he walked with Jesus was not at a place of maturity to fully know what he was doing. And so I do not believe Peter lost his salvation for a few days. I, I believe that's absolutely wrong thinking, uh, because, or let's go ahead and go there because, because of this revelation three, Verse 5 says, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Now, some people will say, Well, see, Ben, it says he who overcomes. If you don't overcome sin, if you don't overcome the devil, then, then he'll blot your name out of the Lamb's book of life. But you have to go back to what First John 5 said. Who is he who overcomes? He that believes. So, And that's a whole other thing we won't get into right now. But if he said, I won't blot this person's name out of of the Lamb's Book of Life, there's an implication that there are some people who could get their name blotted out of the Lamb's Book of Life. But again, this is not a light thing. To disown somebody is not a light thing. You don't do it lightly. See, what Jesus was saying to Peter was, Peter, you're going to deny me, but you'll be back. (laughs) You'll be back In other words uh, Peter ran away from home but, But Jesus said You'll be back And he denied him And yet That was not counted against him You have to know what you're doing Otherwise God has mercy If you've been born again Now there are some people Who would say Well you know They may never have been born again Maybe they didn't understand it Well first of all what I would say to that is you don't have to understand it to receive it. The Bible does not say if you believe in your heart and understand with your mind and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. That's not what it said. It says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. I don't have to understand it. You, we, I still don't understand it. You don't fully understand it. It's not about that. It's about believing and confessing in the moment. But there are many people who have done this and, and, and it was genuine in the moment that something in them reached out to God and wanted God. They wanted more of him and, and, and they, they did receive that gift and they did confess it. But then they weren't surrounded by the right people and they weren't in the right community and the enemy began to work on them and lie to them and deceive them and they fell for it. Why? Because they're babies spiritually they are babies and they're still, they are still—they still have diapers on and they still need to be taught in the word of righteousness. And there are some people who have even doubted their faith and denied him like Peter did. And yet, they're babies. So why would God blot their name out over that? He knows what they know. He knows where they're at. I'll give you some examples of this here in just a little bit but it's important to understand this because some people, they're almost like looking for a reason to send people to hell. And it's almost like, you know, if God said, you know, no, they're not going to go to hell. It's like, oh, they're not. Oh, like, (laughs) it's like, they want to be right. You know, you got to watch out for the Jonah syndrome. The Jonah syndrome is pronouncing judgment on somebody and being disappointed when it doesn't happen especially if they're living in sin. Watch out for that. That's a wrong spirit. You don't want to be that way. You want to see all people blessed and come to the knowledge of salvation. and if they're missing it and they're doing wrong, our prayers should be for mercy and, and and for God to help them to get it right, to help them to do right. Now you don't want to you don't want them to continue in the thing that's hurting them, but you want them to be shielded from the destruction of the enemy as much as they can be so they can see the knowledge of the truth. But then again, In some cases, God hands people over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the Spirit may be saved. Now, that's a whole other thing. We'll get into that just a little bit. But let's go over to Hebrews chapter 10 now and just touch on this verse. I hope this is helping somebody today. Hebrews 10 and uh, about verse um, 26. He said, For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses law, Moses law, excuse me, died without mercy under two or three witnesses of how much sore punishment. Suppose you shall he be thought worthy who has trodden underfoot the son of God and has counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he is sanctified an unholy thing and has done despite unto the spirit of grace. So again, we take this in context with Hebrews six. He's talking about mature believers and this, this, this term that he uses here, if we sin willfully, willfully, This has to do with accountability. This has to do with I know better. And listen, this is not just talking about, it's not talking about people who are weak and cave into the flesh and mess up. Because if that's the case, what do you do with 1 John 1.9? Think about it. If that's the case, what do you do with 1 John 1.9? No, it's not just talking about that. This has an idea of somebody who's mature, who knows better, who's seen better, and yet they turn back into a life of embracing sin, embracing it. And this is not talking about a baby Christian who who has never grown out of their sin. Because here's the thing, the root of sin is dealt with when you're born again, but there's still dead fruit on the tree that it takes time to prune. It takes time to prune that. And baby Christians don't stop sinning overnight. And some people get the idea that they do. But listen, you've been saved for how many years and you're still sinning sometimes? Not that you have to. But here's the thing. Sin is not just these taboo things that people call sin. There's a lot of things that are sin that people have been doing. And the Bible says whatever is not of faith is sin. So you got to be careful about just judging baby Christians because they still have problems in the flesh or sins in the flesh or doing wrong things in the flesh, and that's not good, and it is hurting them. But at the same time, God has mercy because they're babies, and, he's, and, and there are consequences. Sin always brings forth death, but God's still helping them. He's still helping them to grow. He's still pruning them. And we want to pray for those people. We'll get into this in just a little bit. We want to pray for those people that Christ would be formed in them. Amen. So uh, I want to touch on this over in Romans chapter 1. He talked about, "...I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith." And he talks about, "...the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in ungodliness." Watch this in verse 19. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them or to them, for God has shown it unto them. What does that sound like? Those who have been enlightened. See, people have taken Romans 1 and tried to apply it to unbelievers or baby Christians who are confused about their identity or their sexuality. That is not who he's talking to in this verse, it's not, he, he's talking about people who God is manifest to them for God has shown it to them. Now, now look what he says here. He talks about how things are clearly seen by creation and that they're without excuse. What does that imply being without excuse? What do you say to an older kid who, you know, knows better? You don't have any excuse. To not do what I told you to do. You don't have any excuse to not be doing this, not doing that. This, these are terms that imply maturity and accountability. He, he said, Because that when they knew God, they glorify him not as God, neither were thankful. He's not talking about unbelievers here. He's not talking about baby Christians. I heard people say, oh, see, AIDS is God judging the homosexuals. No. AIDS is a part of the curse of the law. And without Christ, you are subject to the curse of the law. Everybody. And God is not specifically judging one sin on unbelievers. Unbelievers are open to the curse, period. And AIDS is just another sickness under the curse. And they need Christ and the redemption from the curse that he has provided. Provided, as do we all. But in this context, he's talking about people who were enlightened and knew something about God and were a part of the things of God and are without excuse because of it. And he said, their foolish hearts were darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. They changed the glory of God unto an image made like corruptible man. He talks about the lust of their own heart caused them to dishonor their bodies. They changed the truth of God into a lie. They worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the women, burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. Again, he's talking about people who knew God, who knew something about God, and they have they have rejected the light, they've rejected the truth, and they've given themselves over unto a lifestyle of filthiness and lasciviousness, and they've rejected what they saw, they rejected what they know, and they're without excuse. And the Bible says God gave them over to it. So here's the thing I want to point out to you. If God gave them over to it, this is, again, not a light thing. This is not something that God does lightly. And and just like when we talked about God blotting somebody's name out of the Lamb's Book of Life, it's not done lightly. This is serious. He talked about their conscience being seared and God giving them over. Now, here's the thing. There's another verse that talks about God giving somebody over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved. Uh, let's look into that just a little bit more here. First um, Timothy, and I'm going to tell some stories here in just a little bit that apply to each one of these verses that I'm reading here. You know, people say, well, Jesus said, if you blaspheme the Holy spirit, then it won't be forgiven to you. Sometimes people, this is what I don't like. People imply that that's talking about somebody criticizing a service or where the Holy Spirit was moving or supposedly moving and saying, they're not going to be forgiven of that. If they don't know it's the Holy Spirit and they're unsure about it, and they've never been around that, that's not them blaspheming the Holy Spirit. If they don't know that it's the Holy Spirit. And in some cases it may not be the Holy Spirit, but God's not legalistic about that kind of stuff. It has to do with what you know and what you see. And intentionally blaspheming God after you've experienced Him, after you've been a partaker of the Holy Spirit, after you've been filled with the Spirit, after you've operated in the gifts of the Spirit, you blaspheme Him and, and reject Him and, and speak against Him after that, that's the thing He's talking about. This has to do with maturity and accountability. He's not talking about babies who have never been around tongues before. In fact, 1 Corinthians 14 talks about how people come in and hear you praying in tongues, and they're like, what is going on? And it actually tells you to make a correction for their sake, uh, to accommodate their immaturity in that thing. People need to stop finding reasons to send people to hell. (laughs) God is so merciful. The Bible says He delights in. In mercy, He's not willing that any should perish. And God is not looking for a reason to send people to hell. He is looking for any reason not to have to. Do you understand? Now, I'm going to tell some stories here in just a minute, but let me touch on this. Uh, 1 Timothy, Paul had actually talked about how he received mercy because he blasphemed ignorantly in unbelief. He didn't know better. Now, watch this in verse 19. It said, holding faith and a good conscience, which some have put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. Now, this is referring to when the Bible talks about people departing from the faith. And And Timothy is what talks about this. This is in the same context of him talking about people departing from the faith. He said, they've made their faith shipwreck. It's a shipwrecked faith. He said, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander? Whom I have delivered unto Satan. Why? That they may learn not to blaspheme. Now, now, apparently, these are people who are in the body of Christ who are blaspheming. And he said, I've delivered them unto Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. Here's what he did not say He did not say, I've delivered them unto Satan and they're going to hell and that's it. Because according to Hebrews 6, If that happens you can't be renewed there's no point in praying for those people even they're done but he said that they may learn why do they need to learn because they don't know oh come on why would i need to learn algebra because i don't know algebra the fact that he is giving them over to something so that they may learn it is because they need to learn it because that means there's still hope for them in the future. In other words, God hasn't blotted their name out of the Lamb's book of life. He's teaching them. He's not now. Now, don't misunderstand this. God and Satan are not working together, but Satan is gaining access to them. And, and, and if they want to blaspheme and you say, okay, you want Satan, you want his way. Okay. I'm going to let you have your way and you can see how much it destroys your flesh. And I've experienced this, by the way. I'm going to talk about that. And, and let's see how much you want it. And you know what will happen after that? <laughs> They're going to learn not to blaspheme. Why? Because I don't want Satan's life. I don't want that way. And the sorrow that comes with that. But in order for, for me to need to learn something means I don't know it. I don't have a, I don't, I haven't learned that yet. In other words, I haven't been enlightened and like Paul, in the same chapter, Paul said, I did it ignorantly in unbelief. So, in light of all these things, you know, I have experienced a few things that I want to talk about in the last part of this podcast. First of all, um, I had an experience January of last year in which I was at Spirit Wind Conference with... My friend elijah merle and chris jacobs was in the room and micah herbert was in the room and i think one other person was in there and we were having pre-service prayer and during that time of prayer now we had had some manifestations and we have had manifestations of the gifts of the spirit of 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 the presence of God. We've we have tasted of the good word. We've seen revelation. I mean, the Lord has I'm not bragging about anything or acting like we're something. I just the Lord has been gracious. And and he's he has you know responded to our little group and and us immature people relatively speaking and given us revelation, but we have grown in some things and we have tasted of some things. And what I'm about to say is in no way me trying to act like I'm at some grand place. But it was still significant because I heard in my heart these words. The people in this room today have crossed the threshold of those who have tasted of the heavenly gift. That's what I heard in my spirit. Those who are in this room have crossed the threshold of those who have tasted of the heavenly gift, and from this point, there's no turning back. Now that's what I believe I heard in my spirit, and I'll be honest with you, it made my hair stand up because it was it was strong and it was intense. Now it didn't torment me with fear. It was you know I I've, I'm not going to leave Jesus, <laughs> but it was sobering because it, it, it was revelation to me to think, well, hold on a second. If after 10 years of walking with the Lord, I'm just now crossing that threshold, how many baby Christians have not yet crossed that threshold? See, this is what I'm talking about, the mercy of God. And this got me to studying about this subject because he referred me to Hebrews 6 and what it says there. And I realized that we have met all those qualifications. So we're crossed, we've crossed that line. That's, that's intense. And uh, praise God. <laughs> I'm, I'm clinging to Jesus. I ain't leaving him for nothing. And I don't say that pridefully. But I say like Peter, where else would I go? Praise God. He has the words of eternal life. But it ministered to me. Also, at the same time, because it made me realize there are many people who have not crossed that threshold, who are babies, and yet they got born again. Now, there was a time when I had not crossed that threshold. And, and, and in fact, it was for a long time. Now, now, if you don't believe that, well, listen, I'm, I'm giving you scripture to back up what I'm saying in this experience that I had. That's why I spent the whole f- beginning of the podcast give, establishing this in the Word. But, um, you know, there was a time in my life I was raised in a Christian home and I talked about this in the last podcast that I did. But, you know, I walked away from the faith and I, I denied him and I even blasphemed. But here's the thing. The Lord had to give me over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Why? That I may learn not to blaspheme. Because I was a baby. Now, I had received the Lord as a child, and I've been confused about this for a long time, because I was like, Lord, was I not saved? Was I saved? Did I get saved? Which it doesn't really matter now, because I am saved, praise God. But did I lose my salvation, Lord? What happened? Because I rejected God. I denied God. I blasphemed. But again, so did Peter. And yet, was his name blotted out of the Lamb's Book of Life? Here's what I saw. If I had lost my salvation... According to Hebrews 6, I would not have been able to be renewed. See, here's the thing. I walked away and I denied him. And yet God said, he's still my son. Come on. He's still my son. He's deceived. And he's dominated by the flesh. And uh, he doesn't know what he's doing. But he's coming back. Oh, thank you, Jesus. He knew I was coming back. He knew I wasn't going to stay gone. And listen, these things, God time 10 years is like 30 seconds. So if somebody walked away from him and denied him for 10 years, he's like, well, they've been gone for 15 minutes. They'll be back. They'll be back. Why? He, Thank you, Lord. They still belong to him. He has not. This is the other experience I want to talk, tell you about. Well, let me let me finish the thought there. Um, I I don't believe I lost my salvation because I I could still sense him on the inside of me many times. But I I was deceived and I was in the flesh and I'd been hurt and offended by church. And when I came back to him, see, and I had not been filled with the spirit. I'd never tasted of those things. I had never experienced those things. I wasn't enlightened in revelation and and in the Holy Spirit and all these things. I hadn't experienced that. I grew up in church. I'd been around church, but I I didn't even have a revelation about a lot of those things. I was like those disciples in the book of Acts. I had not so much as heard whether there be a Holy Spirit in, in, in the regard of having revelation about him. I'd heard the term, but I didn't know what that meant. I was still a baby. Spiritually, I was still a baby. You know, I mentioned my uncle Steve earlier, who's mentally handicapped. You know, I, we've gotten in this habit where I tell him, he's the, you, you, you're God's son, Steve. You're God's child. And he laughs and he, he enjoys that. But you know, sometimes he's gotten mad at me because I wanted to watch The Chosen instead of Batman. And, and, and because of that, he said, you know, I, I ain't God's son anymore. I'm not God's son anymore. And I'd be like, Steve, don't talk like that. You are God's son. But I thought about that. The Lord brought that back up to me. Steve is seven years old in his mind. Is God holding that against him? No. (laughs) Now, is it good for him to say that? No, and I correct him. But, see, that's a picture of what some things are like spiritually for people. Babies. And, you know, I have a friend who had a really rough upbringing and grew up in a really, really rough situation. Lost his dad to drug addiction, was sexually abused, all kinds of things. Not even remotely raised in a Christian home. And I was at I was going to a Christian private school and this is during the time where I had walked away from Christianity. And we had chapel. And there was an altar call, and I'll never forget during the altar call, he raised his hand and prayed the prayer of salvation. Nobody asked him to do or nobody made him do it, nobody forced him or coerced him. They just gave the they just gave the invitation and I remember him raising his hand to receive the Lord. And he prayed the prayer. Now let me ask you this. Did God accept that in the same way that he received it when I did it as a young young person? And I had done it and redid it just in case. (laughs) I had shared the gospel with other people at times. And, and, And to the best of my knowledge, I received the Lord Jesus into my heart. Now, some people act like, well, they never actually received it. You're acting like God makes it hard to receive salvation. No, listen, if you reach out to him, Genuinely, he responds to you. He's not making it hard to get saved. I'm tired of hearing people talk like, well, they may never have been saved. What does that even mean? If they never got born again, they're never born again. I get that. But if they ever reached out to him and said, yes, I want you, Jesus. I receive you. God's not, "Mm, I don't know. I don't think that quite makes the cut. No. God is merciful. He's waiting for people to just reach out to him so he can respond. But and I know somebody can pray a prayer and not mean it in their heart. I get that. And it can just do it for appearances for other people. I know that. I understand that. That's not what I'm talking about. But when somebody genuinely receives that gift and is born again, even if they're young or they're high or drunk, I don't care if it was from their heart, it counted. And he, you know, he responded to this altar call. But And this is one of the things I, I just hate to even talk about, but at the time, I was such a little snot-nosed kid that I I pulled him aside afterwards, and I talked him out of it. I mean, I let the devil use me to talk him out of it. And he said, well, I don't know, man, maybe. I, I just, you know. But he he received it, though. He reached out to God of his own accord. You're saying God didn't respond to that? But after that, he began to doubt it and he began to walk away from it and he began to turn back, not turn back. He never really turned away. He began to just stay in his old lifestyle. Now, a lot of people would look at that and say, oh, see, no fruit, no fruit. Where's where's the fruit? They're fruit inspectors. You know, well, I don't see any fruit in their life. Where's that fruit? I don't know if they're really saved or not. I'm not trying to be sarcastic or ugly. I hear my heart. I'm just being humorous. but. But people are so quick to want to just discount people because they say they don't have any fruit. But listen, the only thing you need for fruit is just a tiny little half of a green tomato to know that something's changed in the root. But there's still a lot of dead fruit that needs to be pruned. That's what John 15 is all about. They have to abide in the vine if they're going to bear fruit because without him, they can do nothing. But... And to God, you know, somebody walking away for five years is like 30 30 minutes. And I've asked the Lord about that. Lord, did he lose that salvation? Well, why would he have? If God wrote his name, name in the Lamb's Book of Life that day, why would he have lost it? When he grew up around people who didn't believe, who hasn't had good people around him to encourage him. And he's not been enlightened. He was never filled with the Holy Spirit. But God blotted his name out because he was immature and got deceived by people and by wrong spirits. Now, he's still experiencing the sorrow of that lifestyle, I'm sure. But it, but is he born again? Is his name still in the Lamb's Book of Life? And I, I was seeking the Lord about this, too, about somebody else in my life who I'm close to and I care about very much and who who I know was not only raised in a Christian home, but... I did confess to be a Christian and and did profess it and had received that and even shared it with other people. But as they grew up, they were offended with some things. And and they saw hypocrisy in the church and they they walked away from it. But I know that they had an experience when they were older where they prayed again to receive that salvation. And they reached out to God in a low place. And, and they actually said, yes, I've received that gift. I'm a Christian. And I could sense the change in them when that happened. But after that again, and, and I'm not saying that they got saved for the first time when that happened, but there was something renewed there. There was a renewal of something. There was a, a freshness. I don't believe they were just saved then. I believe they were saved as a little child. But but that that response to God, that reaching out to God, that that actually showed there's something in them that wants God. See, that's that little green tomato. That's the fruit. There's something in them that wants God. There's something in them that wants to call themselves a Christian. There's something in them that wants Christ to be formed in them. But then again, after that, they began to listen to the wrong things, felt like they saw hypocrisy and they walked away again and then said, I don't, I'm not a Christian. Now, some people will say, oh, well, they denied it. They're going to hell. But I had an experience about that. And I was at um, a good, dear friend's homegoing service, funeral service. And, man, it was such a good service because the people that, you know, that had, had said goodbye to this family member were praising the Lord and, and talking about heaven. And the atmosphere of heaven was in that service. And while I was sitting in that service, let, hmm. thank you, Lord. I believe I heard the Holy Spirit speak to my heart about this person and say, I have not blotted out their name. Oh, come on. I can't, that just went, it went all through me because I care about them. And I felt like I heard it in my heart. I have not blotted out their name. And this was before I had studied any of this stuff. I still was confused about a lot of things and and worried and afraid. And it went all through me. And then I felt like I began to see these things in the word that I'm ministering to you today. See, the prodigal son walked away from the father. But the Bible says that when he was in that place of feeding the pigs and eating with the pigs... He came to Himself and said, I will return to the Father. But that prodigal son never stopped being a son. And that's what's happened with many people. They've walked away. They've they've gone off into a life of sin. But they haven't stopped being a son. And God is waiting for them to come home. He's like, yeah, they've been gone. They ran away. They're even denying me like Peter. But when they're restored, they're going to strengthen the brethren. Come on. When they're restored, they're going to strengthen the brethren. Why am I preaching about this today? I want to encourage you that if you've walked away or you know somebody who's walked away and even questioned their faith, if they're a baby and they don't know better, if they haven't be crossed this threshold that it took, and I say this humbly, me 10 years to cross according to what I believe the Lord witnessed to my heart and what the Word says in, in conjunction with that, then there's still a child. There's still a son. There's still a daughter. And God's still waiting for them to come home. He has not blotted out their name from the Lamb's Book of Life. Even if they're offended, even if they've said, I'm not a Christian, God is merciful to babies. And He does not blot somebody's name out of the Lamb's Book of Life lightly. This is not a light thing. So this is what I want to do before I end this podcast. I want to pray for people Who have walked away and i want to pray for people who have gotten away from their roots gotten away from that new birth experience that they had gotten away from the truth who have made a shipwreck of faith and maybe they're out and they've they've been given over to the enemy for the destruction of the flesh but it's not because they can't be renewed it's so that the spirit is can be saved and I want to pray for those people. Now, there there are still questions about this subject, and I get that. And again, I don't know the whole counsel of God. But this is the light I believe the Lord's given me about this today, and this is what I want to minister. And I want to pray right now for people who have gotten away. And this is why this is important, because I believe the Lord has corrected me in how I pray for these kind of people. Because a lot of times we think, well, they're not in church, and they're not serving God, or they're even not claiming to be a Christian, so I need to pray for them to get saved. But you need discernment from the Holy Spirit to know that. And first of all, you can't pray for somebody to get saved. It's their choice. You can pray for laborers to come across their path and for the the blinders to be taken off of them, to soften their heart. But there's a right way to pray for these spiritual babies who have walked away. And these are the three things that I feel like the Lord gave me to pray for them. Number one, in, in Timothy, it talks about people who acknowledge the truth and, and, and come to the light of the truth and escape from the snare of the devil. This is the same as when the prodigal son came to himself. So you have to pray for these people that even in the midst of their sin and their filth, that they'll come to themselves. And the second thing that we are to pray for these people is according to Ephesians, that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, that they would know the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and the exceeding greatness of his power toward those who believe. And the third thing is what Paul said when he said, I have travailed for you that Christ be formed in you. Because that root is on the inside of them. But it needs to take root, it needs to take form. And I believe that's the right way to pray for these kinds of people. So right now, in the name of Jesus, if, if you've got a loved one or you've got a friend or somebody you know who, who walked away, or, or even if you don't, just hook faith for people that you know could be in this scenario, even if you don't have a name or a face, just hook faith. And, and, and even though I'm praying this right now, there's no time or distance in the Spirit, and we can hook faith together for these people, and we're going to pray for them. Amen. Father God, I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your love. I thank you for the revelation of how good you are and that the goodness of God leads men to repentance. And thank you, Father, that you are so merciful that even when we turn away like your disciples did, even when we are weak under the pressure of men and the deception of the enemy, Father, when we fail, Lord, I thank you that you're still faithful and and you don't let go of us. Father, that you, you are merciful and you are kind. And you give us every opportunity so that we are without excuse, Father. I thank you, Father, that you have left yourself, you have not left yourself without excuse, without reason, without a witness that you are good, Father. And Lord, I just pray for every person that the listeners are hooking in faith for right now. And Father, according to your word, I pray for them. If they were ever born again, If they ever received that gift genuinely from their heart, if something in them ever reached out to you to touch you and and craved you and asked for you and received you, Father, but they've gotten away, they've yielded to the flesh, they've been deceived by seducing spirits, Father, I pray for them right now in Jesus' name. And I pray that like the prodigal son, they would come to themselves and recover themselves from the snare of the devil that they'd see the light. Father, I pray that you would enlighten the eyes of their understanding, that they would know the hope of your calling and the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints and the exceeding greatness of your power toward those who believe. And Father, I pray that you would soften their heart to see and to know the truth. And Father, I pray this, Lord. I travail, I intercede for them that Christ would be formed in them, Father that root that's on the inside of them, Father, that Christ would be formed in them. And I pray for them, Lord Jesus. I intercede for them. I ask you, Father, for more time and space and mercy so that their destiny is not stolen from this earth and what they're called and anointed and graced to do, but, Father, that, that they would see your goodness and your mercy, Father, and, and, and how good you are, how merciful you've been to them, and, Father, I just thank you for drawing them with your loving kindness, Lord, in Jesus' name. And I bind every spirit of deception and darkness that's tried to blind them and keep them from seeing the truth. And, Father, I thank you for the light that shines in the darkness, even just a little bit of light, enough for them to come out of that dark place that they've been in. Father. And, I just thank you for that. I thank you for your love and your mercy. And I send angels out to minister light, I send angels out to to lead the right people to them, to lead them to the right people, to see the right things. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. And listener, you send out angels for those people that you love and that you want to see restored. And I I believe that uh, we're going to see a lot of this in the coming days. We're going to see a lot of return in the coming days and repentance in the coming days. And I'm so very excited about it. Amen. This has been the No Content Podcast. My name is Benjamin Pace. I hope you got something out of this today. I'll talk to you the next time you click play. Thanks again for listening to the No Content Podcast. Remember that Jesus loves you. He loves everyone else. And please don't forget to feed the ducks.